all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Rachel and I'm David and this is all bad things follow us into Twitter Facebook at all bad things pod emails all bad things pod at gmail.com join our Facebook discussion group and join our discord yes how was that excellent <laughs> um our uh our our discord discussion group members got a discord exclusive today they yes got, they did they got the full saga <laughs> Because I didn't, I didn't put it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter because, uh, I don't know, I'm feeling a little weird about, like, randomly putting it out there for friends and family for some reason. Sure. Yeah. Understandable. (laughs) But for those who don't know what I'm talking about, which is probably most of you, um, I got bit in the face by a dog today. Yes, you did. (laughs) And you can perfectly, like, now that everything's kind of healed up a little bit, Mm -hmm. like, you can perfectly see, like, the bite mark. Yeah. Like, you can see that it's, yeah. Mm, You can see, like, the bottom teeth. Mm -hmm, By my mouth. And probably one of the canines. Right right on my cheek. Which is right where it got you. Mm -hmm. And a little bit here. And Mm -hmm. it's a little sore here. So basically, uh, to answer all your questions, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. The dog was apprehended by animal control. It was identified. Its owners were identified. Its um, its vaccine records were obtained, and it is fully vaccinated against rabies. And it's being quarantined and observed before being returned to its home. Um, I was out for a walk in the morning, as I usually am. There was a dog with a harness, a lost dog with a harness, and a diaper, as it turned out, which is... Which you didn't even know. No. Yeah. No. Um... Until later, but uh, there was a, a guy who usually is out walking his dog, and it kind of seemed like the two dogs were getting close, and I was just like, oh, hey, puppy, come here, you know, like, let me see your tag, and nope, 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 puppy was having none of that, it was a husky, <laughs> and my face got a little too close, and so it decided that it need. it was, I mean, honestly, if, if you look at the severity of it, it it wasn't trying to hurt me. No. It was trying to get me. It's trying to, to give back you a off. warning. Yeah, yeah, that's all. It felt threatened and was trying to get me to back off. So it wasn't. I I went to the doctor. I washed it out. Obviously, went to the doctor. She cleaned it out. Um, no stitches. It's just I might just end up with a cool hockey fight scar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is fine. I'm fine so with I that. So I told you this morning it's gonna look badass. Yeah. I'll be Scarface. I actually really don't mind that. I think scars are kind of cool. Um, and I, it, honestly, it, at no point did it really hurt that much. It's been sore. Not even when it bit me. It it just is sore. That's all. Um, I've been joking, only half joking, really, that I've had enough acne in my lifetime that my face is kind of impervious to pain. Because <laughs> when you have bad acne, it can... It, it can be pretty painful. So, yeah, even when the doctor was, like, cleaning it out, she was like, oh, does that hurt? I'm sorry. I'm like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently, my face she is went th- just... She, she went through quite a few swabs, too, trying yeah, to clean that out. it didn't hurt. Mm-mm. Very good. 
is just getting kind of swollen and, and yeah. bruised up now. Yeah. Because um, that just happened like 12 hours ago. So, yeah. um, but everything it's should the, be it's just It's the healing fine. process. Yep. It's just going to heal up. I'm on antibiotics because dogs' mouths are gross, just like humans' mouths are gross. So, um, so that's just going to protect me from any potential infection. And like I said, the dog is being quarantined, so we will know for sure if anything happens. See, the way I see it, if somebody put you in uh, military fatigues with a QAnon t-shirt on, <laughs> like you could legitimately say like you were at the Capitol and <laughs> nobody nobody would question it. I, I do not want to be confused with an insurrectionist. Thank you very much. <laughs> Oh. You're not cosplaying as an insurrectionist today? <laughs> That's a real dedication if, to is. the art of cosplay, yes, if, that, it is. if that would be the case. Sometimes you get shot when you do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it was just it was just weird. I've never been bitten. I mean, nipped by the cats, right? But I, I've, I've, never, been, re- I've never really been bitten by yeah, an Yeah, I've been like nipped that. by a dog like uh-huh. a couple of times, but mm-hmm. n- not a full-on bite. Mm-hmm. And certainly never in my face. Yeah, it was very quick. Sure. Like, it I it was just a warning. barely even knew what was happening, yeah. you know? Um, and then instinctively, I just put my hand to my face and backed off. And it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't aggressive after that. Like, it, it was, and that's the thing, that's why, I, and yes, it was ill-advised. I don't like dogs. I never have. And so, you know, that was to my detriment that I didn't really think through about how to approach one. So, and in the future, how I will approach one is by pulling out my phone and calling animal control. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, Which is what uh, the very nice officer at Wake County Animal Control told me. Like, just just call us. Just call us. We'll take... And they were... Honestly, like kudos to yeah. to animal control because he yeah he he found the dog he he like, I identified within, like within a half hour <laughs> yeah it was all very quick yeah before I was even or no as I was on the phone with the doctor which was within like forty five minutes of because that's when they opened um, he was already at the house like asking questions so yeah um, fortunately I was able to because this is the fun American medical system part of it i was able to go to my just my general family physician um to get it all fixed up which means no er bill i will have to pay for the visit but it's it's not going to be nearly as much as like an emergency room visit or um or had i had to have had stitches you know it'll be bearable for us so um and they did give me like the name and and they'll give me the address of the person who owns the dog but i'm not gonna I'm not going to do anything. There's no reason to. Hopefully, this just is making them a little more aware about keeping track of the dog and making sure it's secure. And I hope, I hope it's also safe. It was a little weird that I was wearing a diaper. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the animal control officer explained that sometimes people who breed dogs put the dogs in a diaper when they're in heat. Mm-hmm. But I also, I'm a vegan, do not like the breeding part of it either. So... Hopefully it was just a, the, uh, and it was a new dog for them because it had just come from the shelter, which is why they mm-hmm. had the records. So maybe they're just working on training, at, you know, I don't know. I, I e- wish either, the best for the poor little pup. Yes. Either way. Yeah. We're all very happy that you're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might feel a little, I'll, I'll see how I feel next time I see a dog. I'll tell you that. I don't know. Well, I, my, my mindset into meeting you. Uh, meeting up with you with a towel and uh-huh. 
I was just like, no matter how bad it is, like I think I'm just gonna tell her, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's not that bad. And I, <laughs> I really didn't think it was that bad. It's, it's not. It's really yeah. not. I mean, it didn't get because my it was eye. still, it was still dark when I yes. saw it, mm-hmm. and half your face was full of blood, so I couldn't see yes. it. But it, to me, it just looked like a scratch, and I was just like, ah, eh, yeah, a lot of blood in your cheek. Yes, because yeah. there's like one gash mm-hmm. that's a little. Yeah. I was like, could um, be just one. One gash and it just bled out. And it mostly out. is. There's these yeah. little spots near my mouth that are a little. But I mean, to be fair, it could have gotten my lip. It could have gotten my nose. But it could have gotten yeah. my ear. It could have got my eye. As soon as we got back home, though, and, and mm-hmm. got into the bathroom and I saw it in the light for the first time, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a stitcher. I was like, I've seen. But it turned out it was not. It wasn't. It bled badly, but it wasn't that deep. Um, to me, it was it was really wide. It, it looked like it was. Yeah. Yes. Well, plus the doctor, you know, was saying that they typically don't stitch dog bites because they want it like to air to out, flush out, and yeah, and yeah. not get infected. Um, I'm really glad I'm on the antibiotics. I think that's great because that that makes me feel good that you know if anything got into my system, it'll it'll get fought off. Um, super fun being allergic to penicillin that they had to like figure out what else they could give me, but. But they found stuff, so. Um, that to give you anticillin. <laughs> I, 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 I smiled too. Smiled too broadly. It's a little oh, sorted sorry, to make too vivid of facial expressions. Um, so yeah, that was my my bad thing adventure for the day. Never been, never. I'm just not around aggressive animals or animals that tend to lash out. No, cats always right, but they're so small. <laughs> And you can very much... This was a large dog. Hmm? Not huge. No. Not well, huskies like a, are sizable. Yeah. We're not talking about Pomeranian. No. No. <laughs> um, it would have actually been way more embarrassing <laughs> if somehow been. I got bit in the face by a Pomeranian. Yeah, it kind of would have been. Uh, and but I then again, like a Pomeranian huskies, so. wouldn't, have, wouldn't have done that. <laughs> You're right. I kind of like huskies. I think they're really pretty dogs. This mm. was a very pretty dog. And I, I wish it the best and hope that it has a very happy life moving forward yes well well trained and well um secured (laughs) (laughs) we we both subscribe to the dodo on youtube yes (laughs) (laughs) uh my sister joked in a text she's like but did you tell it no i'm vegan (laughs) like i'm on your side I'm a pacifist. I'm a pacifist. I'm a socialist. I'm an anti-capitalist. Why are you doing this to me? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it just, the I think the hardest thing is it kind of just, this is how like white privileged it is. It just sort of threw off my day. <laughs> and in the middle of tax season too, which it's hard to lose a whole day uh, during tax season. So, but uh, eh, it is what it is. And uh I was going to rip into a one-star review, but I really don't feel like doing that yeah, at the there's moment. No, there's no so. point. But I read it, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Watching you, Jennifer. That, that, that was very... <laughs> yes, very threatening, like, 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 low-key that was, threatening. Uh, that was very uh, single white female of you. <laughs> well, now I've Did got you ever the, see that movie? A long time ago, yeah. It's a great mm-hmm. movie. Uh, Bridget Fonda? Yes, Bridget Fonda and... Um, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yep, you're right. Oh, yeah. I got the right one. So, uh, what you drinking tonight? I am drinking a fantabulous <laughs> prickly pear because I did not get bit in the face by a dog. <laughs> well, I got, I am drinking the classic Guinness. That's, that's a good face biting drink. 
Uh, so I could show up to the pub? Yes! Like, like, I uh... wish I could show up to an Irish pub <laughs> and tell the lads what happened and they'd all buy they would yes, buy they, me a yes price. they would you wouldn't have to pay for shit no no <laughs> the other thing that actually works out very much in my favor is that a mask covers this entirely so in public i don't have to be walking around in public people like staring at me or anybody asking questions like i can just hide it so yeah i like that there's i i feel a weird self-consciousness about this i mean that's why i didn't like blab all over social media or whatever it's it's like it's a really visible thing you know if it were a little some medical thing you wouldn't necessarily you know go posting that the um it's just i can't i'm not gonna be able to hide it from people who see me without mask which isn't many people but um yeah, it's already made it the rounds at my mom's work, so <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but anyway, should we just get right into it? Let's do it. So, um, oh, by the way, we are recording this on January 15th. Oh, the day before your birthday, your last yes. day is a 43-year-old. It is. <laughs> um, so this is prior to whatever is going to happen in on Inauguration Week. So maybe we're being super blissfully ignorant right now. <laughs> and that's why we're not maybe, we're not talking about the world burning. Maybe getting bit in the face by a dog will be the best thing that could happen <laughs> to you, like leading up to this week. <laughs> well, so I, I, texted, I texted this to Abby and, and to my sister. I was like... Um, Here's the most 2021 sentence I've had to say so far. This morning I got bit in the face by a dog wearing a diaper. <laughs> and it's just, just like... There. That's, it's like, that's yep. how my week's been. It's it's like... Uh, the, even though we didn't roll into a new decade from 20 to 21, that was 19 to 20, but mm -hmm. still, every decade has its hangovers. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah, so 20 is really hanging so over into 21. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. Like... 20 10 20 you know 25 years from now people look back and i'm like like yeah there really wasn't much of a difference mm -hmm. between 2020 and 20 it was all in our heads that it was going to be different we knew that though we yeah. knew that so yeah so i'm i'm kind of excited about this topic it is probably the last one i'm going to research for a few months uh because of tax season but so if you've sent us research it's coming. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. That's what she said. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I, I forget. Okay. I forget. No, no, don't. We can't make it like dull. <laughs> no, I know. But... I just have to learn how to laugh without moving the left side of my face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just seen your face. I'm like, I know that looks weird. Just <laughs> grinning on one side. <laughs> you might. This might be like your your path to being like a like a full-on villain like but you're not wrong she can only laugh i look like the joker on she can only laugh face. on one side of her face and it's tax season <laughs> capitalism be damned i did think i look a bit like the joker to be honest i i, I said this morning i was like hey if you have a scar it's like it's gonna look badass mm -hmm. I agree with that. I, I do not mind scars. I think scars are kind of cool. I mean, absolutely. I think everyone should. I feel bad for people who have them and don't want them. And I understand that. But I'm I've got plenty, but they're all on my forehead and they all happen like pre 15. So yeah. they're all kind of they're all kind of gone now. Yeah, I was actually just mostly really happy that I didn't have to get stitches because I was not looking forward to that. That was going to be painful. 
and expensive and then I'd have to get them removed and yeah. So I'm glad that it's just what it is. Uh, I can let it heal up. I'll be all right. Anytime I think of getting stitches, I always think of that one scene from Slapshot where the guy, he's literally getting his lips sewn oh. on the bench while he's uh. while he's still talking shit to the other guy. <laughs> and the trainer is like, hold still, you're making me miss. <laughs> How did they fake that? I don't know. For all I know, it could have been real. I mean... It was the 70s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is that movie was made the same year you were born, right? I think the year before. Oh, okay. I think it came out in '76. Gotcha. But yeah, it's uh, seeing as how hockey season is on again. That's right. Hurricanes are one to zero. Oh, who did they beat? Sorry, Zach. Oh, the the White Wings. They beat Detroit. Detroit White Wings. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably how he thinks of them right now. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, game on. Here we go. And the Bills. It's hockey, baby. And the Bills are in the divisional round of the playoffs for the first time in 25 years. Well, everyone will know the outcome of the next two games by the time they will. <laughs> this comes out. But the the way I see it with the Bills season at this point, mm-hmm. like it's just house money. Like they 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 fulfilled every expectation I had mm-hmm. this season. 10 to 11 wins, done. Win the division, done. Win a playoff game, done. Like okay, so from here on out, let's just let's just go along for the ride. There you go. It's all that's how I, that's mm-hmm. how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. We need to keep going on for like twenty more minutes to give a big fuck you to Jennifer and her ilk. But no, let's no. let's get down to business. Eighteen minutes in, let's get into the story. <laughs> well, the dog bite took a while to explain. Anyway, um, so. Uh, I mentioned this already, but I am reading a book, and yes, still reading because it's tax season. I'm not reading much of anything. You're reading many books. Yes, and I'm always always reading many books uh, and never finishing any of them somehow. It's called uh, Deep Survival, Who Lives, Who Dies, and Why by Lawrence Gonzalez. And in this book, and I'm pretty sure I said this in the last episode or maybe the episode before that, um, he discusses this disaster And the amount of information he put in about this disaster is really the only way I could have done it because it provided enough detail to make it like a viable episode. Everything online was pretty minimal and not very descriptive, whereas I could figure out what was going on based on his description because it's geographically dependent, which we'll get to. Um, so this, and I, I also like, which we get to do occasionally, um, doing some kind of lesser known, uh, or smaller or niche disasters, you know, that aren't necessarily things that everybody's heard about. So, so this is the story of the 2002 Mount Hood disaster. Okay. And this is only, I believe our second mountaineering disaster or mountain climbing disaster because we did Everest 96. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, mm-hmm. we... Uh, yes, did we do another right. one? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I was think thinking so of something else. And that was when I deeply offended one one-star guy who uh, was like, why do we climb mountains? Because they're there. You know, I was like, okay. <laughs> There's some truth to that, but... Whatever. Doesn't mean it's not going to lead in disaster. <laughs> lead to disaster. Right. So on May 30th, 2002, the misstep of a single climber on Mount Hood in Oregon led to a chain reaction that left three dead and four critically injured 
and injured four rescuers. Jeez. This is this is a fascinating S- Sounds one. like it was a tricky rescue then. Yes, and we'll talk about it. Uh, this is a really fascinating... Like, I see why Lawrence Gonzalez put this in his book. It was to very clearly illustrate a point, which we'll get into all that. Anyway, my primary sources, uh, number one source was Deep Survival by Lawrence Gonzalez. Uh, The Clackamas County Sheriff's Office, Oregon Live, National Geographic Amazing Moments, Portland Mountain Rescue, SF Gate, and Wikipedia. Wikipedia was mostly for, like, the science and geography stuff, you know. Um... So, I have uh, personally seen Mount Hood many times because it's just outside of Portland. And I've spent some time in Portland. I lived there for a week (laughs) once (laughs) in 2012 Um, and visited my cousin there for uh, a number of weeks. Uh, So, I, I kind of have an affinity to the area and I've seen this mountain, so it's really interesting. Um, so we'll start in geography corner, right? And talk about Mount Hood. Have you ever heard of Mount Hood? I have. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's located in the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. in the state of Oregon. It's about yeah, seven... Yeah, I, I thought it was in Washington. Oh, okay. Well, close, so, right? Yeah. I knew it, it was in the Northwest. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it's about 70 miles or 112 kilometers east-southeast of Portland. Uh, I, I very specifically remember when I drove... <laughs> After driving across the country to move to Portland, when I drove back a week later, um, I drove through the mountains because I was just headed directly west and I could see Mount Hood. It's very, very visible. Um, it's It can be seen is the single highest peak in Oregon and it can be seen within about a hundred mile radius or 160 kilometer radius. And it's very pretty. Here's a, we got lots of pictures this episode. That's gorgeous. Isn't wow. it? Wow. Well, so, you have never been to the Pacific Northwest. I have never. It is no. breathtaking. Yeah. <laughs> it is really, really nice. We need to get there. Um, I've never really been later. to the Midwest, period. Like, not... I... You've been to Green Bay? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of it. I've been to Northwest Arkansas, and I've been to San Diego twice, and... San like, Diego's not the Midwest, west... No, 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 but I'm saying, like... Oh, like, west like of the west Mississippi? west of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the only places I've been to. Yeah. Like, I've, I've never been to Colorado. I've never... Oh, you've been to Vegas, though. Yes. And Arizona. Yeah, Even right. to the Southwest. Okay. So I've been to other places that you I couldn't have. remember. And mostly, but you're right that the I've Pacific never, Northwest is very I've different. I've never been to the Northwest yeah. at all. And it looks gorgeous. It but is. It, but it also looks cold. It is both of those things. Yes. Um, now, Oregon gets pretty mild in the sure. summer. It's not, it's not just cold all the time. Yeah. Also, I know Portland, um, the summer is the dry season. So I've actually only been in Portland in the summer, and it was gorgeous. I'm sure. I didn't live through the rainy rest of the year, which is most of the time, which is why it's so pretty. Because I mean, imagine, imagine that being your view for a drive. I know. It's snow-capped mountain. I mean, I would almost go on a drive just to see that view. I'm sure people do. Yeah. You know, like the um, the changing of the leaves mm-hmm. in the northeast or Blue Ridge. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So Mount Hood has an elevation of one, uh, sorry, 11,249 feet. or so almost two miles. Yeah. Uh, yes. Almost. Uh-huh. Or 3,429 meters. It lands it at number 49 of 50 of the 50 most prominent peaks in North America. Now, prominence is how high it it towers above the landscape, not above sure. sea level, right? Sure. Um, 
Now, in terms of actual elevation, it's not necessarily as tall as that ranking would indicate. For example, Denali, which is the tallest mountain uh, or highest peak in North America, is nearly double that height. It's about 20,000 feet or close to 20,000 feet or 6,190 meters. Um, Regardless, when you see it, it's impressive, right? It's really beautiful. And it's taller than other well-known peaks in North America. It's taller than Mount, Mount Olympus, which is another one. Really? That's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, something else that makes Mount Hood really unique that I had no clue about is it's not just a mountain. It's a volcano. Not <laughs> fun. Mount Hood is a volcano, yeah. It hasn't erupted in a really long time. Uh, the last major eruption was in 1782. Uh, but there has been less dramatic activity. Uh, the most recently, it uh, was still over a century ago in 1907. Wikipedia, for what it's worth, lists it as a potentially active volcano. I saw other um, reference to it being inactive. So, sure. you know, it's not Mount St. Helens, right? It's not, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not completely to the state of dormant, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of there. It like hasn't it, been a, an area of concern. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, I watch. I say that. And 2021 will be the year that Mount Hood erupts. Jesus. Okay, so Mount Hood is in the Cascade Mountain Range. And that's a long range that runs from southern British Columbia down through Washington and Oregon and into northern California. So okay. you can kind yep. of see it. And as you can see there, Mount St. Helens is in that yep. range. And so is uh, Mount Mountain Shasta. Rainier. Oh, have you heard of Shasta? Yeah, as in the soft okay. drink. Oh. I'm <laughs> Uh, So the Cascade Mountain Range was formed near where the Pacific and North American plates of the Earth meet, more specifically uh, the minor plates of Explorer Juan de Fuca, is actually the name of the plate, and the Gorda Plate. And that's in the Cascadia subduction zone, and that resulted in the formation of the mountains as well as dozens of volcanoes. Uh, it's part of the Ring of Fire. So, you know, we've oh, talked okay. about yes. that in yep. the past. I think maybe mm-hmm. Krakatoa and the um, Boxing Day tsunami mm-hmm. is the idea that there's this, like, along the coastline of Asia and along the coastline of the U.S. and North America. Like, yeah. like the whole shit could just go off one it's day. It's pretty, yeah, it's it's a little... There, there could be um, a chain reaction that would make that happen. Uh, yeah. So here are the volcanoes in the Cascade Mountains. <laughs> Jeez, they're all over the place. Yeah, there's, there's a couple dozen, I think. Uh, other well-known... Uh, uh, volcanoes in the Cascades, as I said, are Mount Rainier and the notorious Mount St. Helens, which we absolutely will cover the 80, mm-hmm. 1980 eruption. I've one been day. wanting to for a long time. Yeah, we should. And we I've just done never it last gotten year, around to. Years. Yeah, no, I just never got around to doing the research. Yeah, but that's that's the most famous volcano that's happened in North America. I would think in so. a long time. I think so. Even yeah. well, even since then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the defining feature of the volcano of Mount Hood is its striking glaciers. And you could see that oh, in that yeah. picture. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. Which cover the peak starting at about 6,000 feet in elevation or 1,800 meters. There are 12 well-defined and named glaciers or snowfields. And as a result of these glaciers, another feature of the mountain is its massive crevasses or splits in the, mm-hmm. in the glaciers. That will come to be pertinent. So, like just about every mountain, Mount Hood is a popular hiking and mountain climbing destination and sees about 10,000 climbers a year. 
It's an interesting mountain because it's considered kind of an easy climb as far as mountains go. It's not like it's, um, they call it not a technically difficult mountain. Like you don't need to be super experienced to do it. You still need the know-how because as we will discover, mountains are extremely dangerous under any conditions, but um, just it, it could be worse, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, There aren't marked trails, but there are typical well-known routes taken, including what is considered sort of the easiest route, located on the south side of the mountain, which originates at the Timberline Lodge ski area. Now, as the name would suggest, the Timberline Lodge is a ski lodge in the mountains. It's a registered National Historic Landmark that was built as part of the... Extremely Socialist Works Progress Administration. The, wait, the what? <laughs> yes. You mean that, you mean that system Commie that gave bastards. people lots of jobs and pride mm-hmm. and, you know, building up the infrastructure of America? I, I wrote side rant, where the fuck is our new public works program? Uh, question mark, question mark, question mark. Desperately needed. Biden has apparently said that in his COVID uh, vaccination acceleration program, he's wanting to hire 100,000 additional public health workers, which that's a form of That's great. We need infrastructure workers. You're right about that. We need physical infrastructure. And and I'm not saying that as like, oh, it's just like a... No, it's like a legitimate need. Oh, yes. Like it has to happen. Yes, it is. And we legitimately need people to do it. And there's a lot of people who need work. Hey, look at that. (laughs) Teach some... I mean... Mm -hmm. If you if you told me the industry I'm in now, if you told me that 20 years ago, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Like I don't mm. like I don't know science. Right. <laughs> I didn't go to school for science. I barely went to school at all. But hey, you teach somebody how to. Hey, here's how you build a bridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're gonna take that experience with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. it's desperately needed. Very true. Very true. And I would start people at twenty five dollars an hour. Nice. Yep. With you a, mean like pen, an with actual a, with a, wage? With yeah. a pension and full health mm-hmm. benefits. Or we could just uh, go single payer and be done with it. Yep. <laughs> Another option. Uh, so the Timberline Lodge is about halfway up Mount Hood, uh, located at 5,960 feet or 1,817 meters, about where the glaciers start. Um and I'm going, oh, wait a second. Hold on, I've got a, a picture for you here. So here is kind of showing the relative. So this is the whole mountain and mm-hmm. here's the summit, right? Sure. The Timberline Lodge is right there. So Makes you can sense. see it's about it's halfway at the, it, Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's at the... Uh, and it's at the base of the glacier mm-hmm. so that, because it's a ski lodge. So yes. everything above that is like skiable. And where, where this and, village is, the entire view is this. Yeah, it's true. So it'd actually be really cool to stay there one day. Hell yeah, it would. <laughs> I don't want to go skiing. I don't want to climb the mountain. I would want to go snowboarding again. It's been a while. I'm sure. At I'd age be, 44, you I'm want sure to go I would be again. sore as fuck <laughs> for the rest of that vacation. Well, let's listen to the rest of this story, yeah. and then you can tell me if you want to go snowboarding. Uh, I still will. So plenty of people would actually recognize the exterior of the Timberlake Lodge. I'm going to show you the picture and see if you recognize it. Yes, that's. Uh, <laughs> is this where they sh- uh, they shot The Shining? <laughs> da, 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 da. Yes. I thought that sounded familiar, but yeah. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. 
It is the exterior location mm-hmm. of the um, Overlook Hotel. Yes, it's the in, exterior shots. Yes, in Stanley Kubrick's uh, adaptation of Stephen mm-hmm. King's *The Shining*. Because you can't, interior ma- was not you can't there. mistake it from the facade, combined with the the, the snow, the iceberg that's yeah. like right behind it. Yeah, like it's it stands out. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine building this fucking thing when they built it? They built it like at, at the turn elevation, of the, yeah, uh-huh. and at like the turn of yeah. the 19th century. No, it was more. It was the FDR's program oh was it really mm-hmm. i thought it was built before that no it's the w work works public works either true that would have been during yeah. his administration but still look at this thing i know it's it's pretty awesome it's gorgeous it'd be very cool to visit there it would um i'm all, I, that's all the, really cool that you recognized the, it all the places we can go once we get vaccinated <laughs> yeah. well once a lot of things happen uh so the south side climb which is where the uh, I said the overlook where the Timberline Lodge is. It, that climb, in excellent conditions, can even be made without using tools, like crampons. Do you know what crampons are? Uh, is that the little steel things you put on your feet? Yes, they yeah. look like open bear traps yep. or something. Yep. Yeah. Um, I did not know that there was a word that rhymed with tampon, but now I know. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was funnier than it sounded. <laughs> um, what, what do you call it when you use a tampon and you have cramps? It's a crampon. Anyway, whatever. That's not even funny. Hey, that might have been how they came up with it. <laughs> so along the more popular aforementioned south side approach to and from the summit of Mount Hood, there are several paths to get up to the top. And I'm going to show you a kind of a... Oh, and it shows the grades. I didn't realize that, like, which are more difficult and which are easier. So this is the south side, like, the timber line is down sure. here, right? Yeah. And then here's all the options to reach the summit. Imagine skiing down that bastard. Holy shit. Look at that, <laughs> Look at that thing. That thing is the going straight down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck so that. So keep looking at that okay. because I'm going to explain uh, kind of this. So, because this will all become uh, very pertinent. Imagine humans, like, looking at this thing. Uh, 200 years ago and being like oh then was, and, and then 150 years later people are like what if we strapped like things to our feet and just rode down it sounds great good <laughs> plan everybody <laughs> let's do it and if people if the world was filled with people like me no one would have ever done that <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> we would have all just stayed on sea level at sea level <laughs> thank you very much all right so one of the trails involves traversing a feature known as Hogsback Ridge. Yep, I see it. You see yep. Hogsback? Okay. Uh, as its name would suggest, it is a steep ridge. Now I'm going to show you some more pictures of the actual ridge. This is there's some really amazing pictures. This is Hogsback. I was ridge. just going to say there is a very narrow entry point, and that's what this picture. Yeah, we'll points see. Out. It's, like it's not that it's not walkable; it's just that you could it's slide. Narrow. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, so so it's it's actually walkable. If you slid down this side, you're yeah, you're fucked. Well, so let's keep looking oh, at oh, that. Sorry? Keep uh, ref- you'll want to keep referring okay. to that. Yeah, at least I did because it, it took me a while to figure out. Because uh, you know, written descriptions are hard to visualize. It that really helped me. So Hogsback is about a thousand feet or three hundred meters long. And near the top of the ridge is Bergsgrund, which literally means mountain cleft, the name for a gaping crevasse in the glacier. It measures about 50 feet or 15 meters long and goes down 20 feet. 
or six meters. Yeah. So that's right there. Yep. Bergschrund. Yep. Steep drop. Yes. And here is a picture of Bergschrund. Yep. That's a steep drop. Yep. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> so from there, those who are ascending along the ridge go through one of two passes known as the Pearly Gates. Sure. And then they reach the summit. And here's a little bit of a closer a zoom in on that. Okay. All right. So, and if you want to set that aside, that's fine. Just don't put it over because you may want to look back at it again. Uh, so one of the trickiest things about climbing Mount Hood is the very fact that it's considered easy. So as Lawrence Gonzalez says in Deep Survival, quote, there's no such thing as a beginner's mountain, end mm. quote. It is inherently dangerous. And sure. so it's not like, oh, this is easy. Easy is relative. Easy is not absolute. So there are several factors that make Mount Hood much more challenging to climb than it would seem at first glance. So for one thing, its high elevation and location can make for some really extreme and sudden weather conditions. Now this did not, just so you know, this did not come into play in this particular disaster. It was a clear and fine day. But but what can happen is extremely high spin, high speed winds can kick up, like to the tune of over 100 miles per hour. Sure. Um, or 160 kilometers per hour. And whiteout blizzard conditions. There was a, a reference to another disaster like 20 years earlier than this or something where um, a bunch of people got caught in a blizzard on Mount Hood and were f- found frozen later. Mm-hmm. Like they basically froze to death on the mountain. It's awful. Because you couldn't see a fucking yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, of course, glaciers are also comprised of ice, which is very slippery. Like saying water is wet, ice is slippery. Uh, so that's a hazard. And on top of that, those crevasses are really easy to fall into. We are not very, very careful. And many people have to their demise. Then my favorite thing about the hazards on Mount Hood, it's a volcano. And there are actually volcanic vents that can suck people down oh, into Jesus, them and then suffocate course. them yeah. with hydrogen sulfide. <laughs> yeah, very quickly too. <laughs> like you're not getting out of that once you're in it. No. No, you're not. You're dying. You're dying very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But as we've learned before, there are plenty of people willing to climb to the summit of such an intimidating mountain because it's there. Okay, so we just took a little break. I want to see if we can capture Demetrius's purring. Okay. Oh, easily. (laughs) Riveting content. This is what you guys tune in for every week. Okay. So, we've now kind of given the whole backdrop, right, of Mount Hood? Yes, we have. So now we're going to get into the situation the at incident. hand. Yeah. So, on the morning of Thursday, May 30th, 2002, a group of four climbed to the summit of Mount Hood. So they got to the top, right? Uneventful. Completely normal. So this foursome contain, er, consisted of uh, four guys, Bill Ward... Chris Kern, Rick Reed, and then their fourth friend who ruined the catchy one-syllable names, <laughs> Harry Slutter. <laughs> so that is that is not mocking the victims. That is just fun, right? Because it's like Bill Ward, Chris Kern, Rick Reed, and did, Harry Slutter. <laughs> it didn't kind of sound like a lineup of uh, Marvel superheroes. A little bit, like right? Like in their everyday yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah. Their alter like, egos or whatever, yeah. yeah. 
Uh huh. So Bill Ward was a 49 year old Oregonian, and yes, that is how it's pronounced, I know. Uh, and longtime climbing enthusiast with a lot of experience who brought in his friend, fellow local Rick Reed, who was 48. So Bill also knew Harry Slutter because Harry had business ties to Oregon. So Harry brought in his old friend and running buddy from Long Island, Chris Kern, who was 41, who was a court investigator. So basically there was two sets of friends, right? And then uh, Bill and Harry knew each other through business. So that's how they ended up together. Uh, Now, Bill was, as I said, was the most experienced climber in the group. His friend Rick had never climbed a mountain, so he was the least experienced. Now, literally no victim blaming here at all. Just sort of like a, here's something to think about. If you're almost 50 and you have not done something physically demanding, maybe... It's not the best time. I mean, and I say that because I wouldn't do that now at 36 because I feel like I'm fucking 97 years old some days. <laughs> so, um, like, it's just, a, I think it's just something you need to be, you need to approach with some caution. And maybe he did. Maybe he was in really great shape and was totally. So maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just being unnecessarily judgmental of, of poor, poor Rick. But anyway. <clears throat> Um, the group had started out early on their quest, so they made it to the summit of Mount Hood by 8.30 a.m. local time, and then they got ready to head back down. So while they were at the summit, they met two other climbers. Now, if, if you thought, uh, like, 49.50 was a little bit old to be climbing, uh, one of the climbers they met was 63-year-old there you go. John Biggs and 45-year-old Tom Hillman. So these two guys were from California, and they knew each other through church. So Tom was the, a Methodist, was a pastor at, at a Methodist church that John attended. Uh, and in addition to being a pastor, Tom was also a trained EMT. Yes, that is foreshadowing. John was a retired United Airlines pilot, and in his retirement had made a hobby of tackling some of the continent's peaks along with Tom. Again... Not sure about the idea of taking up a hobby like that at age 63 or post-retirement. But, I mean, if he's a pilot, I'm guessing he's a little hardcore. So, I guess that's just a thing. See, I just don't, I would have never thought to do any of this at age 12. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't have that gene, whatever it is, the adventure gene. I'm like, no, thank you. I just like normal life, please. Um, so, together, John and Tom had already climbed six mountains, including Mount Whitney, the tallest mountain in the Sierra Nevada range. And actually, it's the tallest uh, mountain in the U.S., continental U.S., for that matter. And they had also climbed El Capitan in Yosemite. Tom, on his own, had already reached the summit of the tallest mountains in 45 of the 50 United States. This was his 46th that he reached that day. I haven't even been to a stadium in every in, in 45 or 46 of 50 states. I haven't even been to 45 or 46, Same. Of 50, much less climbed a mountain in all, in all of them. I would say it's one of my goals to go to all 50 states. It is. It's mine too. That'd be, that'd be nice. At least step foot in one for I'm once. I'm like halfway to 30, some, or like, like, you know, like 25 <clears throat> to 30, something like that. I know I've counted that. I but. think I'm about at 20, I think. Anyway. It's hard because, like, what counts as being in it? Does a layover count? You have to go drive through. To me, being in the airport counts. Okay. Yeah. Because you were there. 
Because then you get Wisconsin in. <laughs> well, no, I I went no, I went to Wisconsin. Oh, I, that's right. You're right about that. Um, then you get then you get Illinois in from going. Through I do. I, I've I've gone through Chicago a couple <laughs> of times, which doesn't necessarily count, but I have been to Chicago. I've missed all the extreme New England states. I've never been in New Hampshire, Vermont, or Maine. Bummer. Yeah. I've been to all of those. Yeah. Been to Massachusetts, obviously. Um, been to Jersey, New- well, now we're, just, uh, now I'm just naming states, so let's get back to the story. <laughs> let's uh, stop deflecting from the story. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to please Jennifer, we'll stop complaining about how tragic everything is. Uh, all six men in the two groups celebrated reaching the peak together. They took pictures together. They, uh, obviously they didn't, like, crack open a beer at 11,000 feet, but they ate like candy bars and drank water together, which I guess is the equivalent for when you reach the summit. So the conditions of Mount Hood on that morning weren't great. There, So it's important to remember, like, this is the end of May. Because if it's much earlier, it's going to be too cold. So this is like just when it's getting, like, uh, um, doable, right? But... There had also been rain and milder temperatures of the day caused some slush to form, but then the cooler temperatures at night caused ice to form. And it's just one of those, like, when you're in between freezing and not freezing, that's when the most dangerous conditions, like, can precipitate, right? So after Tom and John began their descent, they, they didn't, like, go down, go down the mountain together. So Tom and John st- started back down. Uh, the remaining group of four began implementing what they had already strategized to be a safe method for getting back down Mount Hood, the same method Tom and John were using. They were tied together <coughs> with their climbing rope, and they were belaying each other. So, quick side note, just in case I am not a mountaineer, but I, I just wanted to give an explanatory comma of belaying. Do you know what belaying is? I don't, okay. Yeah. So, uh, basically, and I'm not the one to explain this. This is like the, not even the ELI-5 version. This is explained like I'm a two-year-old version. I'm sure I'm getting the nuances very wrong. But basically, uh, belaying is using a rope for safety in mountain climbing. And typically, a person wears a harness. The climber wears a harness uh, with a rope tied to it, right? So the harness is all around their body or their, their pelvis, right? And then... The, the rope is really securely tied to that. The rope can then run through an anchor in the mountain. Sure. Um, now, this was a little tricky for me to understand. I've, I've seen that before. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Okay, They'll, there are sometimes literal bolts mm-hmm. like that They'll have They'll fasten anchors. them on yes. to the mountain themselves. That, like, guides, mm-hmm. yes, the rope. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, okay. So, if so, the rope gives in any sort of way, it has something it, to catch on to mm-hmm. yeah and then also the rope then leads back to another person mm-hmm. affixed to another person where the rope can slide through their um holder or i don't know that's not the right <laughs> the, not the right word but at any rate basically the person who is the belayer the person controlling the tension of the rope uh, the idea is so they can lock the rope right so there's no more uh give that way, the idea behind it is if somebody slips and falls, they won't fall far. Exactly. Because it'll just catch. Mm-hmm. And, the, um, and the body weight of the person below is the anchor. Anchors it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And like I said, I'm sure I didn't get all the nuances, but hopefully that helps conge- convey the gist. 
So all of that is to say these four guys were all tied to each other in like a belay system. Now, they thought this would help for safety reasons. They practiced what are called self-arresting techniques, meaning how you protect yourself and anyone connected to you by climbing rope from falling by hunkering down. So literally, um, they decided that if any of them fell, that person would yell out the warning, falling. Sure. And at that It's a a communication. Right. And at the sound of that, the remaining Mm. guys would slam the the ice with their pickaxes, Mm. right? With their ice axes and hold on. Yeah. That would anchor and protect them and the person falling, right? And and protect all of them. The idea that if one person slips, well, then there's still three people holding everybody, right? And everybody's extra anchored in because they... Put their ice picks in. Right, exactly. And not just holding on to the side. And, and we're not talking, like, Mount Hood isn't, we said it's a, it's a relatively, relatively easy climb. It's not a vertical climb. Not like no. a straight vertical climb. No. It can be steep, but it's not like climbing the face of a mountain or something. You know, like like you see in Free Solo or whatever. Um, Still have not watched I that I haven't movie. watched, I've only seen like that, little that, previews. It that, seems terrifying. Yeah. I'm like. Uh, no, I'm like I don't want to watch this. Yeah, it, it seems very way scary. too scary. Mm-hmm. So uh, now, what they didn't have in their plan was a fixed anchor point in the mountain. So they're only tied to each other, not through sure. any sort of anchor. <clears throat> the idea is that if one of them was falling, the an- the axes would act as the anchor, and them holding on would uh so problem is the only thing holding on to that anchor was their own strength not a rope meant to bear high levels of tension and what i'm saying is we can basically see where this is going Mm -hmm. so the first bit of the group's descent was relatively uneventful they were going down the south side they ended up on an ice shelf around the pearly gates at the top of hogsback ridge so in order to get down to the ridge they would need to belay each other one by one so Harry Slutter was the first one to descend. Chris Kern belayed him. And in the words of Gonzalez, quote, the plan, the idea was that everyone would move down one belay at a time until there was no slack in the rope. Anyone who fell would only fall a few inches. Then lined up like beads on a string on the thousand foot ridge, they'd pull the last ice axe and walk carefully down the mountain. Right? End quote. That was the plan. So after Chris had belayed Harry, Bill Ward belayed Chris. Now, when I say he belayed them, their anchor point while doing this was the belayer's ice axe, right? So Chris descended, but then Harry had to descend too because they were pulling the rope taut. So they weren't like joining each other side by side. Like they were in succession, um in altitude right so the last person to get belayed was rick reed the least experienced climber so bill ward was the last one remaining as the top guy now they're not all just dangling there like they're holding on Mm -hmm. like they have their crampons um and uh bill ward still has his axe in the rope is taut everything is going to plan so far uh so they were they had repeated the same procedure with all of the three men who had been belayed descending to keep the rope taut. Uh, so at that point, Harry had descended 105 feet or 32 meters. 
Chris had descended 70 feet or 21 meters and Rick was about 35 feet or 10 meters down. They were all about 30 feet from each other or 35 feet from each other, right? <clears throat> so now it was time for Bill to start his descent, which obviously couldn't be done with an ice axe. They were losing their last anchor point, right? But as long as his crampons stayed nice and tight and everyone was holding on, they were fine. Uh, so his crampons were the only thing keeping him attached to the side of this mountain, right? So the reason Bill Ward, <coughs> excuse me, was at the top of the line of everybody attached by rope was because he was the most experienced climber. This was because the whole point of this system of the four of them being attached to each other, being considered safe, was predicated on the man at the top not falling. And that's a big condition of safety. And unfortunately for many people that day, it was the one that failed. Around 8.50 a.m., right after pulling his axe out of the ice, Bill tried to plant his left foot into the side of Mount Hood when he slipped. He landed on his back mm. and began sliding headfirst. Mm. Uh, he reached an estimated speed of 30 miles per hour. <sighs> Or 48 kilometers per hour. So each man remaining in the line had the experience of seeing the blur of Bill's body flying past them. <clears throat> now, remarkably, their reflexes kicked in and their training seemed to pay off. They each buried their axes, hung on. They did exactly what they were supposed to do, right? Um, so I, I couldn't really figure out if Bill ever actually indicated that he was falling, if he ever said falling. Mm -hmm. They reacted as though he had, um, but there were witness statements that they didn't hear it and then witness statements that they did, but it may have been someone else anyway. It's not super clear there. So arresting was the exact right thing for them to do. Like they were fully... Hungered down. Yep, they were doing exactly what they were supposed to just as they practiced. The problem <clears throat> is... Under the conditions, it would not help. The force and the speed of mm -hmm. the fallen Bill Ward couldn't be counteracted by just holding on to anything, um, no matter how well anchored. So one by one, they were ripped from the side of the mountain and started falling. So about 100 feet or 30 meters below where the foursome had been climbing were John Biggs and Tom Hillman. And now all four falling men were headed straight for them. As their paths inevitably crossed in the worst way possible, terrifyingly, John was, in the words of Clackamas County investigator Tim Bailey, quote, clotheslined. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. He was knocked several feet into the air. Tom witnessed this, and he also saw the four climbers become entangled with his and John's rope. So not only was John getting knocked off his feet and not help, like falling, but now their ropes were starting to get connected. Tom did the exact thing he was supposed to do. He dug his axe in, he hung on like hell. And for uh, his efforts, one of Tom's shoulders was ripped from its socket. Oh, got God. dislocated. Yeah, I'm sure. Now somehow his axe actually, he held on. His axe did not release but it just ripped right down the side of the mountain. The force mm. was too great. So as if the collision of these two groups of climbers wasn't bad enough, there was another group below them all on their way up to the summit. So this group was, and 
to be clear, um, there's protocol for like making sure you're not directly above or below somebody, but there was uh, a lot of uh, difficulty in perception at these altitudes. Sure. So, uh, so uh, the the this other group was three people, and they were part of a larger climbing group of seven men, led by a local paramedic named Jeff Pierce. So this this group was comprised of Pierce. Four fellow paramedics from the same fire rescue department in Tuliton Valley, the department's physical fitness trainer, and the son of one of the paramedics. So the group of seven had split into two groups, one of three and one of four. And the group of three that were left directly below the falling climbers consisted of Jeff Pierce, 26-year-old Jeremiah Moffat, and Cole Joyner, the aforementioned son of one of the paramedics. His name was Cleve Joyner. Cole was 14 at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was a kid. (coughs) (coughs) Professional. Uh, Now I don't know where I am. Okay, so these three were uh, crossing around the left side of the Bergsgrund, of the crevasse, while the companion group of four was still below the crevasse. So right before Bill Ward slipped, Jeff Pierce noticed the string of climbers were almost directly above his group. And he and Coles kind of started to move over to the right a little bit, but they didn't have much time to adjust at all. Also, Jeremiah didn't have the opportunity to move along with them towards the right to avoid what would be the eventual fall. So basically, um, all six now climbers bowled into Jeremiah Moffat to the point where it knocked him unconscious. Like sure. it, it just I'm instantly, sure. he got knocked out cold. So now, uh, it, like I said, Cole and Jeff were kind of over to the side, but they were tied also to Jeremiah. So once Jeremiah got caught up in everything, the two of them got caught up in it too. So nine climbers from three separate groups all entangled and tumbling uncontrolled, fell into the Bergsgrund. They fell into the 20-foot deep crevasse. Cleve Joyner, Cole's dad, had the terrifying experience of seeing his 14-year-old mm. son fall into this crevasse. He would later say, quote, It was a little weird to see my son disappear. It was a surreal thing right in front of me. End quote. Now, it sounds a little casual, but... Um, this was like right after it happened, so he was pretty, probably pretty shaken up, shaken up, shook up, shaken up, shaken. Either way, <laughs> anyway. Any hoodle. So Harry, so now they are all in the crevasse. All nine guys are in the crevasse, <clears throat> and here's what happened. Harry Slutter had hit a wall of the Bergsgrund and been knocked out. But he did quickly come to. He regained his conscience pretty quickly. And he still had his ice axe in his hand. Like, he had not let go. Like, he did his job. It just didn't work. He assessed himself. He was like, okay, I think I've got a broken jaw. And I think I've got a broken ankle. Like, that's where the biggest pain was for him. But he came to realize that he was, like, on somebody. Like, he was entangled with somebody and that ended up being John Biggs. Hmm. So he sort of, Harry disentangled himself from John, looked at John, realized John wasn't breathing. And so he gave him CPR. Jeff Pierce, who actually had barely sustained only very minor injuries, which this this makes sense that Jeff and Cole 
as it ends up were the least injured, they actually got out relatively unscathed because they were, they hadn't gotten hit by anybody and they were the last ones to fall who were already the closest to the crevasse. So they had the least amount of distance to go, right? And the least amount of injury to sustain. So Jeff Pierce, if you'll remember, he's also a paramedic. So he came over to assess John and he was like, dude, I'm sorry, he's dead. So John died. At, he, he likely died at least on impact, mm-hmm. if not earlier. Um, uh, Bill Ward. This is possibly the, the grisliest part. Bill Ward had landed headfirst into snow oh, and he suffocated yeah. pretty quickly to death. So that's awful. Um, Chris Kern was wedged under a rock and was screaming in pain because he broke his pelvis. Oh, God. I don't want I anything, don't any part of that. I want to imagine ever, the ever, pain. Ever. No. Uh, Harry, who you'll remember is his friend, they, so they were running buddies. They had run races together and Harry hollered at him, quote, put away the pain and hold on, end quote. It's kind of like one of those... You're crying hysterically. Someone slaps you across the face like uh, you, you can't do this now. You have to get a hold of yourself. And he did. Um, Chris Chris pulled himself together. He tried to help calm nearby Rick Reed. Uh, Rick was awake and talking, uh, but not for long. He quickly succumbed to his injuries. Sure. So he was the he was the third victim. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the way. Lawrence Gonzalez put it was uh, Rick was still talking when he died. Mm. Jeremiah Moffat was still alive and talking, but he wasn't making any sense. So something was going on with his probably concussion or whatever. Tom Hillman, like Harry, had lost consciousness when he slammed into the crevasse. But interestingly, he was wearing, you know, those camelback backpacks that Mm -hmm. have the water bladder in them? Uh, The water helped cushion his fall a little bit not not right. immensely whatever, whatever because, little bit helps right he still ended up with a with a cracked vertebrae but oh, um it possibly saved his life he did have additional injuries including a broken leg and remember his shoulder got dislocated mm-hmm. while well, he also tore muscles like I mean, yeah, yeah from holding on to the axe yeah he's gonna have a long recovery yeah uh, Jeff continued to work to help the injured climbers, aided by Cole Joyner, the other person, the only two who were, like, not really hurt. Cole likely had the benefit of youth on his side because he would later recall that he also had been slammed against the wall of the crevasse, but he got up and didn't feel hurt. So, I mean, 14-year-old body, right? Exactly. It's just kind of bounced back. Kids are like half cartilage anyway. So, of course, uh, Cole and Jeff's companion team of four, that included Cole's dad, Cleve, had seen the whole thing. And they were already super close to the crevasse. So, uh, Cleve got out his cell phone. Fortunately, this is 2003. It's enough. And he was able to, I mean, great cell reception. He was able to call 911 right away. Um, And then he and the rest of his group, the four guys, who, as you'll recall... Our paramedics immediately got to mm. rescue work and they started implementing a pulley system, ropes to try and get the guys out. 
Uh, in response to Cleve's 911 call, the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office mobilized, along with the Mount Hood Pro Ski Patrol. Those responding in a coordinated effort included the Portland Mountain Rescue, American Medical Response, Reach and the, or the American Medical Response Reach and Treat Team, Air Force Rescue Squadron helicopters, and the Oregon National Guards Air Ambulance Unit. So it was all hands on deck. Like, they were on it. Um, here is a picture of the surface, as you can oh, see wow. them working around the crevasse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine no, hell no. God. No thanks. Bite me. Uh, have a dog bite me in the face every day <laughs> as opposed to having to do that. Jeez. Oh, so kind of amazingly, as I said, uh, much to the benefit of the survivors of the fall, as you'll recall, Jeff Pierce's friends were paramedics. Really helped. Further, two medical doctors climbing nearby witnessed the fall and came over to help. Oh, so they shit. literally had a wow. medical team already uh, on, site. on site. Yeah, which played out very much in their favor. So yeah. Portland Medical Rescue would later cite this as a major factor in the success of the rescue, stating, quote, the injured received excellent initial care prior to the arrival of mountain rescue professionals, end quote. As a result, nobody else died. Wow. It was just those three guys. Nobody died later. And those three guys died before basically anybody could do it. Got to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. They were dead before anyone else knew what was mm -hmm. going on. So um, the paramedics were soon joined by the rat team. So that's the research and treat. <laughs> kind of cute. Rat team. And the ski patrol, followed by Portland Mountain Rescue PMR. And the National Guard, who started airlifting people, the most critically injured. You're on a fucking mountain. What else are you going to do? you got to get those people out, like, by helicopter, right? So this was not a short process. Uh, so a little before Hell two... Hell no. No, yeah. this takes a lot of coordination. Mm -hmm. So this was getting into the early afternoon. Um, the rescue efforts were still ongoing. They had gotten a couple of guys out. Uh, an Air Force Reserve Command Skorsky HH-60 Pavehawk helicopter with a crew of four descended on Mount Hood. So there, uh, they were assisting with the airlifts. Their next up was uh, to get Jeremiah Moffat. He was like, they were triaging, obviously, right? So he was like the third mm. most critical. Now, by this time, this had been going on for several hours. There were news uh, helicopters in the area, right? So what happened next there is video of. Oh. And I watched it, and, and, and okay. you can watch it. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty remarkable. So, um, so Jeremiah Moffat was tethered to the to the helicopter to get airlifted, and the Pavehawk began to ascend from the mountain, and then it suddenly and unexpectedly lost lift. You're shitting That's me. That's not good. <laughs> Clearly. Now, thinking quickly, one of the crew, and I could not find a citation of who in the crew it was. I imagine it was the co-pilot or the pilot based on this. But um, they pressed a button immediately that released the hoist cable that Jeremiah Moffat was on, mm. which ended up being quick thinking because they weren't, they were like, we're not able to stay in the air. This isn't good. Something's going to happen. Let this guy go. He has a better chance of survival than if we drag him along with whatever's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. So and so, actually, and so do we. The crew actually is, there's a lot to show how well they responded. The first thing is they let Jeremiah Moffat go. He survived. 
So he did not. Good. I don't know if he was further injured by this, but he survived regardless. He stayed alive. Yes, he did. Then the and there's pictures of this. It's a whole the nose of the helicopter. Holy shit! Hit it the side of the crashed. mountain. Yep, the blades oh, ripped yeah, apart just every, everywhere immediately, and then the. The uh, helicopter now with no blades, right? Barrel rolled. 800 feet. 800 feet down this mountain, about 240 meters. Uh, and then um, landed upside down. Now, here's the, here's the wild part. The pilot and co-pilot, they're still in there. Mm-hmm. They stayed strapped in. I was going to say, and went, went with it. Very little injury. Well, because you can see that by the design of a helicopter. Oh, yeah. Like this, like the same design you see in a NASCAR uh, mm. stock car. The roll cage kind yes. of idea. Yeah. So if yeah, that, it did not. It did so not that, flatten. So if that happens, there's not going to be all this destruction right. and shit going and shrapnel. Mm-hmm. Fl- it's like, okay, if this happens, then it's it, it was it's really meant just to the blades that came off. Yeah, which is yeah. going to happen. Yes. But the rest of the the body is intact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now what did happen is the other two crew members got thrown and then rolled over (laughs) but the snow ended up being the saving grace for everybody because it cushioned everything cushioned the blow and then they just kind of got compacted down in the snow so they didn't get hurt by the roll they didn't get crushed all four guys ended up pretty okay with just minor injuries (laughs) isn't that wild and like I said Jeremiah Moffat survived so uh, because of the quick actions of all available personnel after the three victims who died almost immediately after fall, the fall, there were no further fatalities. So this went as well as it could have. I'm not even, even sure. Do they that. do they make sobs anymore? The car? I don't oh, think wow. they do. I haven't seen one in a long time. Not maybe, sure if they maybe do. Maybe overseas? Probably. Yeah, I probably. What country was sob from? Uh, Volvo, Sweden. One, one of them. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. But... Sobs had a reputation of being like kind of slow to, to get going and this mm-hmm. and that, but part of the reason is like all sobs were built with a roll cage. Mm. Well, aren't, like they, aren't Volvos all like steel? Not all of them. They used to be. I think maybe. Those actually, were actually, tanks. I think yeah. I, think I learned you're right. to drive on one. Yeah. They're they're like like. But it was just like if I anything, hit a fence and nothing happens. It's like to if the anything Volvo. hits it, like you'll survive. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. Not like the crumbling that can happen with mm. a lot of cars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was clearly a, a the, the, um, was it the Pace Hawk? Pave Hawk. Clearly a good, good, good const- name. solid construction. Yeah. The Pave Hawk. We're, we're taking the Pave Hawk up the mountain the today. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. Right? <laughs> like, I'd be fine with that. Not, not that we're taking the Ford Fiesta up the mountain tonight. <laughs> Don't talk my Ford Fiesta. I like my Ford Fiesta. Even if it doesn't have a door handle. (laughs) So, of course, while the outcome was better than it could have been, it was still an awful tragedy that three people died. So John Biggs, Bill Ward, Mm -hmm. and Rick Reed. I wanted to close this out with a short description of each man. I could not find more information on Bill Ward or Rick Reed. I think part of it is there are a little more common names. Uh, part of it is that there's just not much online about this, and Lawrence Gonzalez didn't go a ton into their personal this was, lives. This was 02? Oh, th- oh, 02, yes, you're yeah. right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, my God, that's, that's 19 years ago. I know. Like, Almost the, 20. The fuck? Um, someone born in 02 is graduate, uh, graduated. Just graduated from, high, school. Yeah, high school. Uh, so I, I know that Bill Ward and Rick Reed, obviously they had loved ones who suffered a horrible loss. And I wanted to acknowledge that. But I did find some a little bit of information on John Biggs, and I didn't want to not mention that just because I couldn't find information on the other guys. So I will mention this about John Biggs. So this is the the 63-year-old, right, who in his retirement was climbing mountains, <laughs> retired airline pilot, right? He was described as a man, quote, with an infectious laugh and zeal for the outdoors, end quote, and, quote, a man of quiet accomplishments, end quote, who, in addition to his hobby of mountain climbing, spent his retirement visiting people who were homebound. And he was considered, quote, a backbone for his family, work, and community, end quote. Now, here's the kicker. He was survived by his parents, who were 88 and 86 years old. His 86-year-old mother was Mary Biggs, and his 88-year-old father was a retired Navy man named Ted Biggs, who was a survivor of Pearl Harbor. No shit. Yeah. Wow. 60 years prior, 62 years prior, mm-hmm. almost. 61 years. Oh, yes, you're right. 61 years. Uh, he December had, 1941. He had survived Pearl Harbor, and now his son died in a climbing accident. Isn't that awful? That's... It is. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, John was also survived by his three three kids and one grandchild. So. so the chapter that covers this disaster and deep survival includes a really great description about how something relatively routine, remember there's 10,000 climbs a year, can go so terribly wrong due to something so predictably benign. A slip. Sure. A slip and fall. Yeah. Like, that's all it took. And it's part of a much larger theory involving self-organizing systems and a phenomenon called the sand pile effect. I just highly recommend reading the book if you want to learn more about that. It's really fascinating. I kind of already get what they're talking about. Mm. That it's a self-sustaining system, mm-hmm. but it can also collapse mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. And it's bound to. It will at some point. It's just a matter of life. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it does not have every single workaround. Mm-hmm. Like... The inevitable collapse of a system. 75% of the time it's going to work out. Right. But there's that... Right. You know... The majority of time, nothing will happen. Right. But a big disaster is inevitable Mm -hmm. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So Lawrence Gonzalez was actually on site at Mount Hood the day after the disaster. So he, he interviewed a lot of these people. That's how he has a lot of this information. One of the people he interviewed in the aftermath was Steve Cruz, the general manager of the ski area at Timberline Lodge. And according to his LinkedIn, he worked there for 27 years um, until leaving in summer of last year. And I'm guessing he retired. Probably. That was that, yeah. Based on like the, the years and all that. So Lawrence and Steve climbed partway up the mountain together. The day after this tragedy, and they sat near the crevasse. And Steve said to him, quote, the thing went critical faster than I've than anything I've ever seen. End quote. Quite succinctly describing not only the nature of this disaster, but of great a great many disasters we have already covered and many more yet to come. And that, my friends, was the story mm. of the two hundred two hundred two Jesus, two thousand two. Mount Hood disaster. 
Yeah, no thanks. Um, you can, It's one of those that you can just picture, boom, 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 yeah, boom, them getting ripped off. It's yeah. awful. It's awful. Just strictly from the amount of force coming mm-hmm. from the from the lead. And Lawrence Gonzalez goes into it in a lot more detail about mm. the idea of the of the tension and sure. the force and but all that. But you can kind of figure it out. Yeah. Like if somebody's falling 30 miles per hour off the top of a mountain. You're not going to hold yourself to anything. No. Even and, even if you're strapped to three other people. Well, and even um, my thought is like say you were anchored into something when it like when it just there would be an initial decapitate you at the waist or whatever. That's no, there'd word. be an initial jerk, and there'd be, and I'm sure that equipment was probably thinking of that, and made for that at the time. But what they Maybe. weren't thinking of is they like it, of it such would just a fall. Right. It was just they were like if you slip and you fall and, you, and then you then you collect yourself. And maybe okay. they were, and they just hadn't come up with the technology yet. I mean, we're talking 19 years ago. <laughs> it was 2002. It might as well have been a different planet. It was one of those, like, okay in theory, and it probably worked most of the time, like you said, you know. Yeah. It, it, but when it, was, it, it was protocol, so it did work most of the time. But when it didn't work, it, it really didn't work. Didn't work. Yeah. And then the just the perfect storm of everyone being right under them, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. I know. It's sad, isn't it? Are you sad? Little face. Are you sad, Jesse? He's like, yes. He's like, I I want to leave the room or I can destroy records. <laughs> Your choice, people. We're almost done, buddy. Yeah. But uh uh I I've I have been up on the top of like a couple of I don't think peaks of mountains, maybe like points of interest along the right. mountains, yeah. Things like that. But and even some of those like you're you're talking about like a six hour freaking hike. Yeah. You know, I, I remember going to Mount Major, which is right outside of um, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Like that's you're gonna be gone all day, mm-hmm. and you're starting at like six seven o'clock in the morning. You're not coming back to like six seven o'clock at night. You know, literally just go up and say you did it, and then just go right back down. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's not my thing. Uh, nature's not my thing. <laughs> Which is why I'm not usually involved with any animals that could possibly <laughs> bite me. Which is why, why I'm not involved so with nature. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know my philosophy. I'm a vegan because I want nature to leave me alone, and I will leave nature alone because it's only fair. Nature did not agree today. No, 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 no. Nature does. Nature is not it aware does, of our it, agreement. It does that sometimes. Yes, it does. That's yes, all it does. good. But I thought this was okay. I thought this was an interesting story. <laughs> Very much so. And scary as fuck. Couldn't, I mean... Like getting ripped off the <laughs> top of... Like, no, thank you. I don't want to do any activity that you need, like, accessories I'm not going to do any... I, I, I'll tell you at this point, at this point, I'm not going to do any physical activity that may result in my death. Well, then like, don't go like, snowboarding. That can absolutely result in your death. I'm not going to do it anyway. But I'm Dude, saying... I went for a walk and almost got my face mauled by a dog. But snowboarding <laughs> is snowboarding is not like tethering yourself up a mountain. No. Like, like it's, like it's, okay, it's yes. Two but things. you can't say that I'm going to do this because there's less of a risk than this horribly risky thing. No, no. I'm, so, so I'm, saying, I'm saying this is like 10% risk. 
Like, I'll only do things at this point that's, like, less than 1%. Well, actually, no. So, here's the it's thing. probably less than that, actually. Here's the thing. It, that year, it was roughly one in a thousand chance. 10,000 people climbed that mountain that year. Only three died. That is minuscule. Uh, yes. Risk. But to those three people's families, that's I'll, an unacceptable I'll risk. Just, I'll hey! Just, I'll just put it very simply. That. At this point in my life, here. From, from here on out, I will never use uh, climbing equipment. Okay. But don't, <laughs> then don't free climb either. <laughs> I'm not going to do that either. Yeah. Hell no. Oh, you stay here. Oh, you're a man. You're getting, you're getting held he's, for the rest of the show. Wound up. Well, we should probably, based on this guy. Here, chew the paper. Who the, chew the, chew the script. Here. Lay, lay on the paper. Jesse, here, chew the script. He's like, no, you it's want like a, me to. Like, I'm not going to do it now. Like, I want something else. I'm not going to do it now. Oh, there he goes. Oh, yeah. He'll he'll sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a cat. Mm. And this, my friends, is why I'm a cat person. Mm-hmm. And I never was a dog person. And now I'm really, really not a dog person. No. <laughs> oh, but you know what? I will say something that I I do feel like doing this podcast has changed my perspective massively. Not like anything short of something we would actually cover in our podcast is not a big deal. No. (laughs) This is not not a big deal. This is not a big deal at all. It's recoverable. I'll get over it. It's not a big deal. I might even get a cool scar out of it. You know, so... That's for sure. You will get a cool scar out of it. I think I probably will. (laughs) (laughs) The dog with the diaper gave that to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I kind of want to know its name now. I don't even... I keep saying... Trixie. Trixie. I keep saying it because I don't even know if it was a male or female dog. Well, I mean, I'm just glad you're okay. Same. But that's the... Like... Weird random shit like this can happen to you just going out for a walk in your neighborhood. So, like, I would never court disaster to go on a mountain like that. Jesse, what are you doing? He's just, he's just jesserin'. Just jesserin'. So, yeah, I, I just, I, I do really recommend that book. And uh, so, Deep Survival, Who Lives, Who Dies, and Why by Lawrence Gonzalez. There's more about this and the sand pile effect in it. It's a good book. Lee, I will try to finish it up as soon as I can and send it over to you. (laughs) Maybe Lee can pass it around and we'll just (laughs) pass around the book, the same copy. Pass it around. Pass it around. So that was the 2002 Mount Hood disaster. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week.